Hello and welcome to the Personal Development School podcast. I'm your host, Thais Gibson, and I create regular podcast episodes to teach you about your relationships, attachment style, and the subconscious mind. My goal of this podcast is to give you tools and awareness you need to thrive in your relationships, feel deeply connected, and find harmony and fulfillment in your relationships and personal life. So I hope you tune in here with me each and every week. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how to know if the fearful avoidant attachment style is ready for love. Okay, so I'll go through a few like key strategies and ways to tell and then a little bit about what to do. Let's talk about this specifically. Okay, how can you know if a fearful avoidant is ready for love? Well, fearful avoidance part of what like acts as a barrier between them and love is basically stored subconscious trauma and trauma doesn't have to be like a car accident or something that's like really pointed and and really specific. We can have a whole bunch of little traumas that take place over the course of life. It is traumatic, for example, to feel like you can't trust your caregivers when you're helpless and dependent on them in early childhood. And that's just the nature of the way things are. It is traumatic to be bullied. Basically think of a trauma as being anything that you couldn't properly emotionally process. So instead your subconscious mind just stored and then reorganized itself around. So, you know, built in coping mechanisms and reprojects the same painful imprints, fearing that this thing could recur. And, and so the things, you know, the fearful avoidant really tends to want love, tends to want connection because one side of them has positive associations to connection, but then there's a whole bunch of um, sort of confusion in there as, as a general rule where this is why fearful avoidance are also sometimes referred to as disorganized attachment style because they don't really get to build an attachment strategy. They have love and they feel connected to their caregivers sometimes, but there's a lot of unpredictability. And so they learn to become hypervigilant to protect themselves. And that's their strategy for attaching again. So what I will say about every single attachment style in this little series that you'll see is number one, they're willing to work for it. And this will always be the number one, irrespective of your attachment style, it will be the single most important thing. If a fearful avoidant is willing to do the work, especially because something I've noticed, and somebody actually made a comment about this the other day, something I've noticed about fearful avoidance is that they, because they're so hypervigilant in their relationships to others, they can be very hypervigilant in relationship to themselves. And as long as they don't hurt themselves with that. As long as they don't overanalyze themselves to the point where they just ruminate and get frozen and have like analysis paralysis, often fearful avoidance respond very well to subconscious work um, because they notice all the different things about themselves and they become hypervigilant in relationship to self. So that can be a really beautiful leverage point. Now, if somebody is not willing to put in the work into a relationship or into themselves and healing and all these different things, then we have a golden rule and, and it's that you can't date somebody's potential, right? You can't date hoping that, oh, they're going to change or oh, if only this thing happened. What you see is what you're going to get. And yes, people can change. And yes, there can be, you know, random occurrences that happen when somebody's resisted change and all of a sudden they just start transforming. These things do happen. But if somebody's showing you right now that they're unwilling or they're not interested, you can't count on a possibility. You can't count that you have to say like, okay, this is, I have to imagine five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now that this person doesn't change. Am I okay to be in this relationship? And it's a really important to, question to ask yourself. Okay. So that's number one, the person's willing to work for it. Number two, fearful avoidance. This is one of the 
tools that's really necessary to um, to heal fearful avoidant attachment style, they start questioning the own, their own meaning they give to things. Fearful avoidants learn that hypervigilance, right? They learn to be like, oh my gosh, I notice a change in micro expressions or body language or tone of voice or all these different little tiny nuanced things. But if somebody says to them, no, 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 like I was distant because I was feeling sad from today and I had a hard day at work, it wasn't about you in the relationship. Fearful avoidance will actually work to go, oh, okay, can you tell me more about that? And they'll try to learn and understand what's going on there instead of what the natural coping mechanism often is, is to put a story on something, give meaning to a note, to a change in pattern that they notice, and then sometimes punish you with it. And it's not punishing because they, they're trying to be like vindictive or spiteful, although that can happen in a different way sometimes too, but it's punishing, it seems more like a punishment than it's intended to be a punishment. They push you away because they, the subconscious mind does this. It goes, oh my gosh, I'm feeling pain. Okay. I'm feeling triggered. I feel a core wound come up of distrust and you seem to be the source of that pain. And this, the brain is like an association making machine. So it goes, oh my gosh, you're the source. And now I need to push you away as a subconscious strategy to get as far away from the pain as possible. And so what often happens is that the fearful avoidant then pushes the person away when there might've been a misunderstanding. And don't get me wrong, fearful avoidants are excellent at catching changes in patterns, but sometimes the meaning they give to the change in pattern can be incorrect. And I know it can be so scary because the fearful avoidant goes, I don't want to question those things because what if I do trust and then I become unsafe? But it's about really trying to open yourself to understand and truly consider the other person's point of view and be able to sit with it and then come to a decision. We learn to build self-trust more deeply when we learn to truly consciously consider possibilities. So take them in, think about them, meditate on them, sit on them, whatever you have to do, and, and try to process and, and really consider instead of sort of jumping to conclusions, which FAs do sometimes. Okay, um, number three, when fearful avoidance start becoming vulnerable, it's a great sign. Obviously, when the fearful avoidant is um, more on the anxious side, they can seem more vulnerable when they're leaning anxious, especially if they're with more of a dismissive partner or an FA leaning dismissive. Um, secure is kind of like a neutralizing effect, but but um, when they are in this dynamic or situation, if they are able to start opening up, like even, so okay, even though a fearful avoidant might lean anxious, they might seem vulnerable because they seem more needy or they can have that needy side to them. That doesn't really mean vulnerability. Trying to like hold on or, or sometimes if you emotionally dump or you panic when somebody, it feels like somebody's leaving or, or taking space or you're disconnected, that can be vulnerability, but it's not always, okay? So vulnerability is like, hey, I feel afraid. It's not the act of clinging, it's the behavior of communicating. And this applies to anxious preoccupied too, and I'll do this the video about anxious next, but the act of actually expressing what's going on inside of you about what you're feeling is extremely important. And this brings us to our point number four, which is then also communicating about what you're needing. Okay. And they're both types of vulnerability, but the feeling one is more associated with like that emotional vulnerability. Then the need one is fearful avoidance often see, feels so unseen, unheard, misunderstood, just like DAs can sometimes. And the reason for this is because you're usually in a bit of a codependent cycle or a little bit enmeshed and you are hyper taking care of somebody else's needs and not showing up and communicating yours consistently. And then you think that if you communicate once, 
that you did it. The act of being in a healthy and thriving relationship means advocating for your needs on a regular basis, communicating, showing up, teaching somebody who you are, because people will not naturally know. So when you say what you need over and over again, and you repeat and you show up that way and have that conversation, this is extremely important. And this is a great sign that a fearful avoidant is, is ready for love in a relationship, healthy, thriving love. Okay. Um, number five, fearful avoidance don't make accusations as much anymore. It's really tough, right? Because the fearful avoidant is on hyper alert for somebody who could betray trust. But instead of making an accusation or an assumption, they'll go and say, hey, I'm afraid about this, or hey, this is something that's going on inside of me. I need more information. Can you be transparent? And to a degree, it's a form of communicating feelings and needs, but we're really looking for, as this, this number here, as being the absence of making an accusation because communication is on point instead, okay? Um, and the last one that I want to leave you with here um, is that there will be less um, swinging between extreme activation and deactivation. And that really starts for the fearful avoidant at the thought level, questioning your, your deactivating and activating thoughts, questioning, thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to leave. I have to get close right now. Or, oh my gosh, they're hurting me. I need to push them as far away as possible. And when you can question those thoughts and bring them into balance and be like, okay, they're hurting me. Do I really need to push them away or do I need to have a conversation? okay, they, 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 there's distance in the relationship. Do I need to talk about it and bring it to our attention collectively? Or do I need to reach out and try to have sometimes manipulative strategies to bring them closer? And, and maybe I need to meet my own needs right now and, and hold space for distance in the relationship at times and recognize that there are natural ebbs and flows. And so when you can bring these things and sort of solidify them all together, this really creates a readiness for the fearful avoidant in love. And so I highly recommend if you are the fearful avoidant watching this, that you go through here and see like, okay, what, which of those pieces, um, tend to show up the least for me and how can I work on them and how can I show up for them? And, and we have amazing tools inside the school in like a tremendous amount of detail with 12, 15 page workbooks and exercises with every course and all these different things. But you can sit here, um, and you can create some strategies for yourself. You can write some things out. I know I mentioned a bunch like questioning your stories and communicating your needs and advocating, but you can, you want to get really specific for how you can apply these things to your own life.